So our shorter catechism question this week is, what is the misery of that estate wherein two men fell? And the answer is, all mankind, by their fall, lost communion with God, are under his wrath and curse, and so made liable to all the miseries in this life, to death itself, and to the pains of hell forever. And so one of the great places in scripture to discover the miseries or the misery of that estate wherein two men fell, is Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, you can split in half the first half, uh, atonement from the wrath of God, where it tells us that we were all by uh, nature children of wrath, once at one point conducting ourselves in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, by nature of children of wrath by nature children of wrath, as opposed to children of God, who would conduct themselves uh, to fulfill the desires of God uh, and find pleasure uh, in him. And the second half of Ephesians chapter 2 covers not uh, atonement from and redemption from uh, being under uh, wrath and curse, uh, but uh, being reconciled to God Uh, from out of our lack of fellowship with him. Uh, There he's talking about how the Lord Jesus reconciles us to God, brings us near not only to God, but if we're all both being brought near to God, we're also brought near to one another. Uh, And this we need not only because we uh, were aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenant of promise, that church nation and or that church state and uh, those uh, covenant, covenantal bonds that were between God and Israel, and so restoring to them, uh, outwardly at least, uh, a measure of visible fellowship, perceptible fellowship with him. But then that which is true for all who lack faith, whether they are in Israel or not, whether they are in the church or not, someone who does not believe... Uh, in the Lord, is without hope, has no hope, because he is without God in the world. And so the misery of uh, into which we fell, the misery of the estate whereinto we fell, is first and foremost having lost communion with God and coming under his wrath and curse. Now, the Lord Jesus experienced much in this life that makes man miserable because we lack fellowship with God. We are without God at all to begin with, uh, or without the the knowledge of his gracious favor. Uh, But even after we come to faith, we do not walk in fellowship with him to the extent that we ought and to the extent that we ultimately will. This was not true of the Lord Jesus Christ. So he could be Uh, hungry in the wilderness, and yet not miserable. He experienced a misery, but with joy in the midst of it. As he he, uh, works in us, we become more and more like him, and we are able, when hungry uh, and alone and attacked by Satan, uh, more and more to enjoy the fellowship with God and to enjoy the words of God as more bread to our soul than physical bread is to our body. So he experienced things that are miserable for us. He experienced things that are the consequence of our sin. 
and he felt uh, the pain and the difficulty of those things uh, in his humanity. He took upon himself our infirmities, to use language of Isaiah 53. And so he knew our misery, although he himself was not miserable. Uh, and he too uh, submitted himself to the point of death, although the moment of death was actually relief for him. It was uh, upon the completion of his enduring uh, experientially the great misery on the cross, which is the pains of hell forever. And we must not think then uh, that because the Lord Jesus in his righteousness, in his holiness, in his fellowship with God throughout his life did not experience misery so much as we did. No, he actually experienced the pain and the difficulty more because uh, in every moment that he had hunger or that he had need uh, or that he experienced what it is to live among sinners, he was much more aware than we are uh, because of our sinfulness, much more aware of how very opposite this was uh, of God and opposite of God's design and the consequence of sin and the presence uh, of Satan and so many apparent uh, successes of uh, the devil uh, who is uh, in the same chapter, Ephesians 2, called the prince of the power of the air. And so uh, his offense and indignation uh, at sin, at unbelief, you see him groaning at the misery and pain of all those around him. You see him groaning. The Lord Jesus felt the misery of those whom he cared for more than any of us feel our own personal misery because of the perfection of his love for God and the perfection of his love for man. So we must not even think that, even though uh, in the midst of those uh, miseries, he enjoyed the fellowship and the favor of God. And what we have been learning through the throughout the book of Leviticus, of course, the Lord Jesus uh, was uh, was perfectly righteous in from his conception and grew in experiencing and enjoying. That's one of the things. It says he grew in wisdom, he grew in stature. You know, he got he, he learned things, and he grew physically, and he grew in favor with God and with men, especially uh, in enjoying and realizing in the uh, finitude of his hu human nature, uh, enjoying uh, God's fa favor and fellowship more and more, until he came at last, knowing the glory of God, appreciating the glory of God, knowing the favor of God, knowing the fellowship of God, and knowing that the greatness of God's glory would be bent upon him in wrath on the cross, and experiencing that an equivalent of an eternity in hell multiplied by every last one of those for whom he was going to die. And so um, there is uh, a way in which we see not only uh, did he experience uh, the the other miseries, uh, including the misery of death, as uh, it took in perhaps his childhood, fairly early in life, his father from him, as he grieved, not only over Lazarus's death, but the death of others around him, not only did he experience uh, those miseries uh, more sharply than we do because of his holiness, because of his love, but not having experienced in himself what we uh, experience, being without hope and without God, 
uh, apart from faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, it was actually a much more severe uh, experience of the misery of the wrath of God that he endured uh, on the cross. And that uh, even multiplied by uh, so much that hell will never end. But Jesus was able to say at the end of his enduring the wrath of God, it has been finished. And to dismiss his spirit uh, into the hands of God. And so uh, we ought to think much of the misery of the estate wherein we fell, especially that we have lost communion with God. That is the great nature of the misery, that it is personal. It has to do with our personal relation to God. Everyone has a personal relationship with God. It's just a personal relationship of God being your enemy or a personal relationship of God having reconciled you to himself as your child. And there is much truth in wanting to have and, uh, and the necessity of having a personal relationship with, with God, real, genuine dealings with him, like we heard even in the evening sermon yesterday. Uh, but everyone has a personal relationship with God. That's the problem, uh, is that he is personally their enemy. Uh, and so the misery is personal, uh, and the misery, apart from Christ, of course, is painful. It is very severe, not only in the things in which uh, God communicates to us that this is a creation that is bound to corruption and decay because of our sin, which brought not only our death, but made us to live now in a world that is full of death, a cosmos that is full of death, uh, and perpetual. Uh, if you do not have Christ's infinite atonement for the wrath that is against you so that he has swallowed it up, so that he has propitiated the wrath of God and eliminated it altogether, uh, you will never stop enduring the misery uh, of the estate wherein uh, you fell. Uh, it is forever and ever uh, the Lord Jesus uh, communicating that to us by that pain which is external, inflicted upon us from the outside, the destruction that comes from the glory, uh, the presence and the glory of God, Second Thessalonians chapter 1, and describing that uh, in terms of a lake of fire where the flame is not quenched, uh, and so that burning that comes uh, from the outside, but also the Lord Jesus uh, describing the affliction of the inner experience of the heart and the conscience, knowing that it is God, knowing that it is his glory, and describing that as a worm that does not die. So like being burned up from the outside and being eaten up from the inside forever and ever, uh, without relief, without pause, without end. Uh, so great is the glory of God against which we have sinned, and uh, the, from the enjoyment of which and the reflection of which we have fallen. And so it's a great help for us to see the greatness of this personal and painful and perpetual misery, both so that we will see how much Christ has done for us. That's the, the great theme in Ephesians chapter 2, where we learn about this so plainly, uh, but also as a help to hating our sin to hating to walk as the enemies of God, to hating even forgetfulness of the fellowship that we have with God. 
lest we voluntarily put ourselves through more misery uh, than uh, is necessary and also give offense to God, give offense to the propitiation of Christ and the reconciliation of Christ, uh, which uh, have given for us, even in this life, the ability to walk in fellowship with God, to have him, to have hope, uh, to be new creatures who walk in good works and are reconciled to God and to one another. Uh, so it does us much good to meditate upon the greatness of this misery. Uh, and we are blessed to have uh, such a sound and concise catechism answer. What is the misery of that estate wherein two men fell? All mankind by their fall, lost communion with God, are under his wrath and curse, and so made liable to all the miseries in this life, to death itself, and to the pains of hell forever. <laughs>